Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Am I into divorce? Absolutely not. But if the person is unwilling to change, you really have very little choice in those cases. Now, because these are so complicated and so mixed and so messed up, before you do something, you come, you talk to a pastor. I rarely, except in abuse cases, am strong because I let you make the decision. You have to live where you're living. I just try to give you the words. What do I try to do in most situations? Get you to stay. The gospel message is an amazing act of reconciliation between God and man. In our rejection and unfaithfulness towards God, God still chose to make it possible for us to experience unity with Him in Christ. Just as our reconciliation with God requires our willingness, the same is true when it comes to marriage. In today's study, Pastor Mark discusses reconciliation in troubled marriages. We learned that in order for this to take place, a willing heart and desire to change must be present. Pastor Mark will also teach us that rather than going straight for divorce, separation can play a powerful role when working through trials. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Stay, Separate, or Divorce. Now, at the end of our teaching, I'm going to teach you, what if a Christian disobeys this? What if they say, forget it, I'm getting the divorce anyway. Two Christians, one Christian says, I don't care, I'm getting the divorce. What do we do? I'll show you at the end. Now, next, Paul goes on to where there's only one Christian in the home. One unbeliever and one believer. Now, how did that happen? Let me show you the confusion. In that day, as I said, when Paul went into this town, everybody were unbelievers. Paul began to teach. A husband or a wife went to Paul's teaching, hear about Jesus for the very first time, go, man, I want to become a Christian. They accept the Lord. They come home and they share with their spouse. He said, he or she said, where, where have you been today? Well, I heard this, this Jewish guy and he talked about Jesus. And then he was alive. And then he came to know us and to, to provide. And he died on the cross for us. And he was risen again. And, and he was our creator. And, and I accepted into my life. I'm my sins forgiven. I'm really excited about serving God now. And the husband and the wife said, say, what? I'm, I'm not going back to the pagan church with you again. I won't do it. What? That's the problem. You can imagine the turmoil in the home. So the Christian probably thought this. Well, if my spouse is going to act like that, it's probably better I divorce and find a Christian mate. And Paul's going to say, no, don't do it. If you're a Christian and you have an unchristian mate, stay where you are. 
Well, what are the circumstances? Take a look at verse 12. In other words, to the rest, this rest means those who, one's a believer and one's an unbeliever. I say this, I not the Lord. A lot of people argue about that. Well, this is Paul's idea, it's not God's. No, Jesus didn't address this situation when he was living because he spoke mostly to Jews. They didn't have this issue. They were believers in the one true God. So now Jesus teaches Paul, because all scripture is inspired. He says to Paul, you're in a whole new area. You're teaching Gentiles. Here's what you're to do. And so he gives biblical instruction, God does, to the apostle Paul on those who are married to an unbeliever. Some of you are here this morning. You're married to an unbeliever. What should you do? He says this, if a brother or a Christian has a wife who is not a believer and she is, circle this word, we'll be back. She is willing to live with him. He must not divorce her. Verse 13, the reverse. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. So if you're a Christian and your spouse is not a Christian, if she's willing to live with you in that kind of environment, Paul says, you stay. Do not divorce them. If a Christian woman has a non-Christian husband and he is willing to live with her, Paul says, don't leave him at all. Now, let me just make a disclaimer. This is not an approval, Paul isn't talking about here, for a believer to marry an unbeliever. This is where they were found. They were both unbelievers and one came to the Lord. I want to say to you this morning, and I want you to write it down, especially those of you that aren't married yet, or maybe we'll get married later, the spouse dies or whatever, divorce person walks out. Here it is. God's word clearly requires you to marry only a real believer. So if, you, if you're a teenager today or a college student or your spouse has died, and we'll get into some of those things, and you're looking to marry, you cannot marry an unbeliever. I learned about 50 years ago a very important statement. My dad told me this. He said, Mark, if you don't date an unbeliever, you'll never marry an unbeliever. You say, well, that's pretty stupid. No, that's very wise. Because here's what I have. Well, Pastor Mark, I'm really low with this guy. I know they're going to come to the Lord. They're in church all the time. I know. Missionary dating. They're going to come to God. Very rarely does it work. And see, your heart is already gone. And here's what happens. I can't tell you how many times I sit in the office one, two, three years later. Individual comes back, looks me in the eye, crying. Man or woman and says this. I wish I'd listened to you. No, no, no. Remember pig? Remember pig? It's not listening to me. It's listening to God. God says, an unbeliever and a believer, unequally yoked. Can two walk together unless they agree? Not a chance. Not a chance. Well, Pastor Mark, I mean, he came to church with me. She came to church. She lifted their hand and they were worshiping with me. Yeah, until about three months after the wedding. And then they're not interested in going anymore. And now you're in this situation. And it's hell in a house. Why? You didn't listen to God. Some of you here this morning and you're dating an unbeliever. Stop it this afternoon. Oh, I couldn't do that. You must do that. Kindly, gently, but stop it. Well, my heart's gone. God will bring you 
a person that loves him. You wait, and he'll do it right. You continue on, you'll either do one of two things. You'll lose out with God, or you'll be in my office, or you'll write me an email and say, I'm devastated. I'm going through divorce. Why? You see, breaking it up now is a lot better than later. There's no kids involved. Is it hurtful? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Is it the right thing to do? Yes. So Paul says, well, there's cases where there's a husband and wife and they want to stay. And what should I do? Let them stay. Well, now look at, why should I let them stay? I mean, we're not in unison. Well, you're married. Here's why. Look at verse 14. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife. I'll talk about that in a moment. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. Look at verse 16. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? What does that mean? If, if, if I'm the Christian and I stay in the home, then... Just my presence makes my unbelieving spouse a Christian and my children Christian? No. It means this. If I'm the Christian in the home and my wife is not, then as I live in the home, I live as a Christian. They see my life. I'm light and salt in my own home. I'm a tremendous influence in my home, not even have to say anything. Just my lifestyle is an influence to my kids and to my spouse. That's powerful. You see, by that, they have a chance to see me and hopefully come to the Lord. Certainly, I'm praying for my kids and my husband or wife. Now, what's the other situation? Well, if I leave the home... By the way, there's one more. Remember Joseph? When, when Joseph became second in command over this pagan nation, Egypt, God blessed the whole nation of Egypt because Joseph was there. I believe in if the Christian stays in the home, God blesses somehow just the whole home because of the presence of the Christian. Well, what if I leave? What if I don't want to stay? The unbeliever is willing to stay, but I don't want to stay. Well, now, not only do you have all of this, but now your unsaved husband or wife is going to marry probably an unsaved person. And guys, when, if this isn't about this earth. When we get to heaven, there is no marriage. It's all about people coming to Christ. The only thing that matters is a person comes to Christ. So when I leave, my influence in the home is gone. And this person is going to go off and do their thing. They're unbeliever. They're going to do their thing. What about my kids? Well, every other week, at best, they're going to be in an unbeliever's home. And what are they going to be taught? They're not going to go to church. They're not going to be taught anything godly at all. Well, Pastor Mark, I have them every other week. That's great if that's all you can do. But much better to stay at home and have them there every week and have them in church. You see, when they get teenagers, they're in this home. And these ungodly parents, just because they don't know any difference, say, have at MTV, just watch, it's cool. And then pretty soon the kids are into homosexuality, and their drugs and alcohol, music doesn't make it. Like, what? Well, how did it happen? Because you remove the light that you are in that godly home. That's what Paul says. If they stay, please stay. If they will stay, please stay. Is it hard? Yes, but please stay. Because that is an opportunity for them to come with a positive influence to the Lord. Then in verse 15, we come to our second reason that God allows divorce. The first is for ongoing adultery, pornea, sexual immorality. What's the other reason God allows divorce? Here it is. Desertion by an unbelieving 
spouse. Look at verse 15. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. In other words, if the unbeliever says, I'm not willing to stay in this place, I don't want to be part of your Christian life. You become a Christian, I'm not interested in it anymore. We're going a different direction. The Bible says, let him or her go. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. Why? Here's a big key. God has called us to live in peace. So here's the second biblical reason for divorce and remarriage. If the unbelieving spouse says, I'm out of here, I don't want to stay around this place, then we are to let them go. Now, I want to bring up one more thing. It's controversial, but I believe there's some merit in it. It's called constructive desertion. There are many ministers and scholars that believe Well, what does it mean by desertion? Well, certainly if the husband or wife walks out the door and gets an apartment and gets whatever, that's desertion. But there are cases, and I'm going to give you some examples this morning, where the husband and wife don't literally walk out the door, but they have deserted the marriage. Let me give you an example of constructive desertion, the act of one spouse forcing the other, as by violence or other things, to abandon the home or relationship. Let me give you an example. Remember I talked to you before about two real Christians? Two real Christians? Well, and here, the unbelieving spouse. Remember it says if the unbelieving spouse is willing to stay, do what? Tell me. If they're willing to stay, what should you do in the marriage? Tell me. Stay. Okay. They're willing. Remember, I asked you a circle of the word willing? Well, let me give you an example. The spouse says, I, I want to be married to you. I want to stay in this marriage. I'm willing to stay in this marriage, but I'm not willing to give up my affairs. We have this all the time. I, I'm willing to stay in the marriage. I really want to stay in this home, but I am not willing to give up my pornography on the internet. I'm going to be watching it, and if the kids happen to see it, so be it. Now, they're in the home... Have they abandoned the home? Yes. Have they deserted the home? Yes. But they haven't left the home. Let me give you another one. I'm willing to stay with you, hon. But you know what? I have this anger problem. And I can't guarantee I won't beat you or the children again. I'm not interested. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to get counseling. By the way, can God solve an anger problem? Absolutely. I'm not willing to do that, but I'm willing to stay in the marriage. If that's you this morning, and you're being beaten, and you think you're being beaten for Jesus, you're not. Get out of the marriage. You tell us who it is, we'll report them. We'll put them in jail. We'll get them some help. Don't put you and your kids in that kind of jeopardy. You cannot stay there. Notice what it says in verse 15. Look at it. What it says at the end. God has called us to what? P-E-A-C-E, peace. Well, I'm just being beaten for Jesus. No, you're being beaten because you're guilty with false guilt. You get out of the house. Here's another one. Well, I'm willing to stay in the marriage, hon. But I'm not really willing to work full time. You laugh. It's very common. You laugh, but it's very common. Well, what does the Bible tell me about that? couple things. Number one, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Number two, the Bible says it's if a man can't provide for his family, he's worse 
than an infidel. So now, you telling me if you're that man in that condition, you're a real Christian? Oh, I don't think so. You're an unbeliever already. And ladies, you should be out of there. Am I into divorce? Absolutely not. But if the person is unwilling to change, you really have very little choice in those cases. Now, because these are so complicated and so mixed and so messed up, before you do something, you come. You talk to a pastor. I rarely, except in abuse cases, am strong because I let you make the decision. You have to live where you're living. I just try to give you the words. What do I try to do in most situations? Get you to stay. I rarely ask for people to divorce. In fact, even in an abuse situation, I don't ask you to divorce. I ask you to just separate because there's always hope with God. But sometimes if it's two or three or four years later, sorry, you got to get on with life. The person is saying they're willing, but they're not willing and will know the difference. Let me just say a couple things about that. We have a wonderful program called Divorce Care. It's for husbands and wives who've been through it. You need to go through it if you've been divorced. Number two, we have one for children, and in the fall we're starting one for teens. I wish I didn't have to say that. You know, 30 years ago that would have been a joke in a church. But that's the world we live in. And by the way, if you come in to be remarried, and I'm going to go through this very quickly, if you come into this church to be remarried, we won't remarry anybody, rare exception, until you've been uh, through that divorce care and you've been single for at least a year. Because you're going through a death. And you cannot walk into something else. Now, let me just make one more statement before I leave that. Constructive desertion. Do not be looking for a loophole. If you're looking for a loophole and you're going to use it, well, my husband, you know, he can only work part-time and he got laid off his job. I just watch it. I'm out of here. And we have that. No, no, no. God looks at your heart. You're the one at fault, not the husband. Do you understand that? Well, my husband yelled at me twice in 22 years. Get used to it. I think I've done it maybe three times to my wife. And I just want to say it in a kind way. Be careful about verbal abuse. There is such a thing, but be very careful. My husband's verbally abusive to me. What do you mean by that? Actually, we're all probably verbally abusive a little, aren't we? So be very careful. See, if you're looking for a loophole, you can find it wherever. And God looks on your heart and goes, mm-mm, mm-mm. So the constructive stuff, that's why I put question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. We're not into divorce in this church. We're into solving people's problems to stay together. Because even if you have a right to divorce, it still tears you apart. And God can restore you. Let me give you quickly four reasons when God allows remarriage. When God allows remarriage. Number one, when the Bible gives permission for divorce, I believe that's permission. It's permission to remarry. It's just simply implied. So if legally, God says, by desertion of an unbelieving spouse or by unrepentant adultery, sexual fornication, those kind of things happens over and over again, and you are permitted to divorce, you're permitted to remarry. Number two, when does God allow remarriage? Obviously, the former spouse is deceased. Till death do his part, you're allowed to get remarried. 1 Corinthians 7.39. Number three, make sure you understand. Let's say you came to this church 
a year ago. You became Christians. You're single, but you were divorced back in 22 years ago. If you come to me, and every, every marital situation comes to me initially, and then I give them out to the pastors, but we're one stance with this. Let's say you were divorced 10 years ago, and you come to me, and you just became a Christian a year ago. What I say to you is this. Are you still in contact with your former spouse? Would you go to them, if they're not remarried, would you go to them and just say, I became a Christian? Would you consider at all reconciling? You say, that's a stupid thing to do. They've been married, I mean, divorced 10 years. I've had people say, yes, and they're married today. (laughs) So if they say no, then I believe you can remarry. Because what happened, this this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, all things have passed away, all things became new. See, God takes you right where you're at. And so you, I believe, can be married because now you become a Christian. You weren't a Christian then. And number four, if for some reason the former spouse initiated the divorce, it shouldn't have happened, it wasn't really right, but you couldn't do anything with it. Remember, it takes two people. They initiated the divorce, and now they've remarried. Then obviously you are free. You are free to marry also. Now here's the question. This is what we're going to end with. What if I get divorced against God's will anyway? Pastor Mark, you went through all this stuff. What if I'm a Christian and I'm going to get divorced or I've been divorced outside of these two biblical grounds, sexual immorality, continuing, so forth, or abandonment? What should I do? Well, some of the questions we get is, now that I know what to do, should I divorce my new spouse and marry my original one? No! (laughs) Please! Like, we'll be the Mormons or something. Don't do it! By the way, Deuteronomy says no. It just causes more confusion. God takes you right where you're at. Here's the one that's more difficult. Pastor Mark, I'm a Christian. I knew I shouldn't divorce. It was wrong. It was a sin, but I did it. Did I commit the unpardonable sin? In other words, every time I go to bed with my new spouse and we have sexual relationship, am I committing adultery? No. You see, what I believe is that have you sinned? Absolutely. Have you committed the unpardonable sin? No. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. You remember the woman five times? Jesus didn't say to her, unpardonable sin. But I want you to write a couple things down. Divorce is a sin unless allowed by God's exceptions. But divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Next, sin has consequences. And they're not good, ever. But God loves to give new starts. Today in our study of the Gospel of Matthew with Pastor Mark, we learned how God desires reconciliation above all else. In our message, Pastor Mark helped us to better understand the unity that takes place in marriage and how separating that unity should be avoided. We also learned that even the most painful and difficult of trials in marriage can be miraculously healed by our loving Father. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. 
We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Be sure to join us next time as Pastor Mark will continue with us in this study of the Gospel of Matthew. In our message, Pastor Mark will continue in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll learn what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. We'll also learn that by speaking the truth to others through sharing the gospel and returning kindness to those who hate us, we better imitate our Heavenly Father. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Yeah.